Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Psychic's Thoughts. Today we're going to be discussing a franchise and topic I've talked about far too often in this channel. But I was thinking about it. I was watching some YouTube videos, to be honest, and it sparked my desire. My desire for COD? For Call of Duty in general? It's kind of weird. I've always been hot and cold with Call of Duty. Some of the things they've done made my childhood, made my childhood enjoyable, right? And I've loved the franchise for that, and a handful of the games for that. On the flip side, not that the games I didn't like didn't make my childhood enjoyable, didn't take away anything from my life, it just was disappointing, and produced a, uh, a industry behavior that I find to be Repulsive. You know? And it's incredible. The inconsistency. And people get on Halo about this. And I think partially because Halo doesn't have as many games, right? Many mainstream, mainline games. Seven total, I believe. Um, I could be wrong on that. And, that. and so that's including Halo Reach, of course. But I could be off. It could be six. <laughs> I don't remember now. That's not a lot. And that's in 20 years. I mean, I think that's plenty, but that, you know what I mean? That's in comparison. In comparison to something like Call of Duty, which has... I, I, don't, I don't even know. I think over 20 games by now. Yeah, must be. Or damn near close to that, because they have an annualized release cycle. So there are three different studios dropping games every three years. But each year is a new Call of Duty, right? Personally, I think even if they wanted to keep more consistency going ahead in the future, they cut Sledgehammer out and use Sledgehammer as a support development studio as well as Raven and then all the other support dev studios, High Moon and Bob's Toys and all these other ones under Activision can go off and do what they want to do. Sledgehammer is a big unit. They don't need to be making an entire COD game. Them and Raven alone could be the two backups to Treyarch and Infinity Ward building the games. That seems comparable. That's four total studios working on two COD games every two years. Not seven studios working on three Call of Duties, one every year. That's a problem. There is a balance in art and consumption of quantity and quality. And sometimes, some years, some eras, it's too much. You overwhelm. Marvel, the MCU, has done a perfect job at balancing this. They drop, I don't know, between two to four films a year. That's a lot, people. Because of the production value and how big they are, they're some of the largest films made. And I don't mean in terms, I mean runtime and in terms of budget and in terms of everything. Promo, everything. They're big hitters. Two to four of them in a year? That's a fuck ton, people. Most studios, if they don't have a mainline franchise like that, well, even if they do, a lot of studios, maybe one a year, or if lucky, one every two to four years. <laughs> Not two to four every year. And then you add that with the new shows, right? So Marvel's very good at doing it because they don't exhaust or fatigue people. They keep them engaged, they keep them interested, but they don't overwhelm it. And they find perfect opportunities to drop it. Just when you feel like you're 
waiting to get back in theaters for the big one. Now, I'm, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a moviegoer. I love going to the cinema. I love watching films in general. I watch all kinds, when and where, right? They're unique. They're, it's a different experience when you're in theater. You know, yes, it's too expensive. And yes, it, it is somewhat hard to access for so many people. And I don't find that to be fair. And that's what I love about streaming. But just because streaming is an option, I don't think you should ever negate the power and the beauty of going in person and watching a film in a, in a movie theater, right? I know it's not for everyone, but it's different. It's a larger picture. It's a better sound quality. It's more immersive. There's not distractions. You can't pause it. You can't rewind it. There's no ad breaks. There's no dog barking. Gotta go handle that. You know what I mean? Uh, watching films in any way is important. And, and my goal as a filmmaker is to make my films when and where, well, as good as I can, but also as accessible. I think that's an important step for the industry forward. Accessibility. And that extends into video games. Accessibility. Streaming. Digital purchases. Sales. Even physical. As an option. But here's the thing. The Call of Duty franchise has put itself in a precarious position where, if you notice, there are three years, usually, usually, in the past decade, there have been three years of eh, mid or shitty COD games, and then maybe a year or two of good ones, and then a year or two of bad ones, you know what I mean? COD has been around for 20 plus years now. Actually, maybe just exactly 20 years. Right? In 2007, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare came out, revolutionized the entire first-person shooter industry, and made what Call of Duty is today. I think it was since 2007 or 2008, they started the annual cycle. And let's not be mistaken, from 2007 to about 2012, it was almost all, like, high-caliber. That is the, the generation of COD. The explosion of its popularity. Not the birth, but the explosion of its popularity. The establishment of what we love and know as Call of Duty. There are good video games, people. There's a reason why it was so popular. They were the highest caliber, most polished, most accessible, very addictive and extremely fun and supportive to its community. They were on top of the world for a reason. Halo was too in its own respect, but COD had more uh, accessibility because it was multi-platform. So with that in mind, I believe the problem that Call of Duty faced was in probably 2013, 14, 15, and 16 was when it hit its first dry spell, its first dip. And it's because... It hit its experimental phase, which I think is perfectly accessible and, and fine and and good, actually. Many franchises that go on for as long as they do hit a, a if you if you look, hit an experimental phase. Where they're trying shit out. They don't know if it'll work. How how would they know? They're not profits. They hope it will work. They'll do the best that they can to make it accessible or fun or keep it true to somewhat of the formula or the familiarity, but they want to push the line a little bit. They want to try here and there, and they want to play around. Maybe they're taking inference from other things in the community, but they're also trying things. Currently, as of 2022, Marvel's been in their experimental phase post-Endgame Saga, and I like it. I think it's really cool. 
And if you don't believe me, then really go go watch WandaVision, What If, Loki, Doctor Strange, and Eternals. Shang-Chi was the most grounded, more familiar Marvel film, but still did some really incredible things and twisted and refreshed even their own formula. It's a great film. And the reason why I compare Marvel to COD right now is just because they're both very long, expansive franchises with a crap ton of entries. I could be comparing it to Star Wars. Star Wars is far longer in its age, and then both of them combined. The COD and Marvel, MCU specifically, combined. But Star Wars has only had, uh, what, 12 to 13 mainline films? And only nine of those are the main storyline and some spinoff films and then a handful of TV shows. Not just, I'm, I mean, Star Wars is my favorite film franchise of all time. So, not to take anything away from Star Wars. It's one of my favorite franchises ever. I love Star Wars. I'm just saying it's not, I like to compare Marvel because it's more fresh on people's minds. And I, and I think in terms of content production, it does follow more similar to COD. Whereas, in my mind, Halo and Star Wars are more alike. And not just because they're sci-fi space element, but because over the course of X amount of years, the quantity is fewer and usually the quality is better. Though of recent, there have been dips. Think about it. From 2014, when Halo 4 came out, to now, 2022, when Halo Infinite came out, has been bad, mid, okay, and Halo Infinite is good but is fumbling the balls in areas where it shouldn't. But it's a good game. Star Wars from 2014 to now, mid, bad, okay, iffy, and starting to turn a corner as of late 2019-2020. It's starting to turn a corner. And it's getting good again with The Mandalorian and the Boba Fett series in terms of the live-action realm. I'm not talking about the animated. Star Wars is killing it there. So, you see how that compares... And then for Marvel, Marvel hasn't had a giant slump in terms of favorability. But they've had a few duds. And if you don't believe me, then you're fooling yourself. There are a handful of Marvel films. Now, when we're talking ratio, it's very small. I think it's like four to six, personally, in my opinion. This is all my perspective and opinion, mind you. Four to six Marvel films that are okay. Not great, not good, not terrible. They're just okay. In comparison to Marvel films, compare them to almost any Sony superhero film or early 20th Century Fox superhero films that aren't X-Men or Deadpool, then, yeah, they're probably much better. But like Thor, one and two, for me, they're not bad. They're just, I, I won't really want to go and rewatch them. Iron Man 2, eh, Iron Man 2 I, I liked I saw it in theaters. I was blown away. But I understand it wasn't as good. Iron Man 3? You know? You know what I mean? I mean, it's okay, but it's not It's not great. So, it's not to take away that, you know, but they're not as noticeable. They're not as good. It's okay. You're going to have some duds in the franchise, especially when you make that many movies. The fact that they only have a few that we can name is incredible. Call of Duty is almost in the same way. You look at the entire Call of Duty franchise. For the main games, right, the noticeable duds have been piling up more and more 
over the past few years, unfortunately. And we'll get into that. But overall, it's usually pretty strong. Call of Duty is a revolutionary franchise. It changed the video game industry. It has influenced film and television. It has influenced every other kind of medium and media. It has one of the largest and strongest fan bases. But it's now in this stage where it is conforming to be safe. And I don't just mean in terms of its topic or subject matter or its presentation, though that too, at times, especially with Vanguard, holy fuck. But because it's playing it safe because it's sticking too close to its formula. And it, and it has a beautiful, almost perfect formula. So it can keep it. It just needs to refresh it. So let's get into what the future of the Call of Duty franchise could and should be able to do in the next five to seven years, especially now that they're owned by Microsoft. So a few months ago, well, maybe even longer ago, I don't remember, early 2022, Microsoft acquired Activision. Now I have a whole podcast on that, a whole episode, and I've talked about it numerous times, but just Brief recap, Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard for $72 billion. Fuck ton. Largest video game acquisition of all time. And one of the largest singular acquisitions ever. Just in general. One of the bigger ones. I mean, when you think of Disney acquiring 20th Century Fox, 20th Century Fox being one of the largest and longest lasting film studios in America and the world, one of the most successful. Disney also, in that regard, one of the older ones and one of the more successful ones, but but not quite as widespread in, in some regards. Buying 20th Century Fox in 2019 for $75 billion was a huge purchase. And I don't know if it's worth it yet. I think it's cool, but I mean, I, I don't think it's cool. I think it's too much power. I don't think companies should own this much, but I, what I mean by that is I think it's okay right now. I don't think it's, I think it's actually helping 20th Century Fox's um, creation pipeline and funding, but I, we'll see, we'll see. Um, I don't know. But just so you know, Hulu and Disney Plus are your best friends if, you, if you're into Disney stuff, because that's where the majority of it is. If it's not on Disney Plus, it's on Hulu. That's where Disney puts their PG-13 and R-rated stuff, is on Hulu, just so you know. They own 65 to 70% of Hulu. So all the 20th Century Fox that's rated R, or more explicit, like Deadpool, Logan, the Aliens franchise, that's all in um, Hulu. So, fun fact of the day. Anyway, um, so these, these acquisitions are a big deal. To the entire industry. And to surrounding industries that are very like it. And if you haven't noticed, video games are in this new era of big business, big acquisitions. Lots of money. Very ludicrous industry if you're at the very top, above the line percentage. Right? Now Bobby Kotick is a motherfucker that should go to prison for, for, the, for the shit he's done. Right? 
at the very least, you know, he is being fired at least by June 2023. So just so you pe- just so everyone knows, this acquisition was announced, but it has to go through a lot of hurdles. Governments raising flags like, whoa, 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 whoa. Is this, you know, they're doing their checks. But stock, the... They did a the they had another investors meeting and the Activision people called it up and they actually approved it fully so it looks like it's gonna go through um, but it won't close it could close soon sooner than expected but at the latest it's expected June of twenty twenty three so we still have an entire year until it fully closes so you won't be seeing any more big acquisitions from Xbox Microsoft until then and you won't see the migration of the studios, you won't see the game development changes, and you won't see the the content on Game Pass until much later. June, July, August of 2023. So, yeah. Um, that's just a kind of a heads up on what to expect because Xbox Microsoft owning Activision Blizzard is a big fucking deal people <laughs> uh, Activision Blizzard is one of the biggest publishing and gaming development franchise things ever they're huge <laughs> so um, but they've been fumbling their crown jewel now mind you they also own Candy Crush and Blizzard, and all of Blizzard stuff, like Overwatch, and World of Warcraft, and Diablo, and Hearthstone, if anyone still plays that. I liked it when I was younger. Um, they've got all that, and everything else Activision's done. Spyro, and fucking, I think, wait, yeah, Activision did Spyro, right? And then, uh, Skate, or is it Tony Hawk? I was getting mixed up. EA owns one of them. I think EA is maybe... Yeah, EA is Skate. And then Tony Hawk Pro Skater is Activision. I could be getting it mixed up. It's one or the other. EA owns one, Activision owns the other. The two main skating games. Right? Guitar Hero. A bunch of other things are under Activision. But over the years, they've re-diversified... They've reduced their diversity in their content to focus on COD and a handful of other things. Right? Because COD is the cash cow. And it's unfortunate because when you look at Call of Duty Modern Warfare, Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, the original, when you look at Call of Duty Black Ops, Black Ops 2, World at War, you're looking at some, first off, just on their own, incredibly made and super fun video games. There you go. First and foremost, that's kind of the hardest part to get down. You're looking at games that broke the definition of video game box offices in terms of outselling films at the same time. Except for uh, Modern Warfare 2, which came out in 2009. Uh, Not to say, that was one of the highest selling games of all time at that time, but didn't hold a fucking candle to the film industry that year. When we're talking about Avatar. (laughs) Raking in over near $3 billion. Yeah, no. Not remotely close, but did a phenomenal job. Any other year would have crushed almost any other kind of movie. But in 2007 to 2009, the film industry was having a massive reboot to itself and how it, how it makes itself viable and popular again. And it needs it now. It needs another reboot. 
and I think we're going to get one. Anyway, moving on from that, um, or reset, soft reset, I should say, not a reboot. Anyway, so the COD franchise is important. As I'm saying this, and I'm looking in my room, I, I actually found my COD, uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare Trilogy. I, I didn't ever own them on disc. I don't think. I owned three. Call of Duty 4 and Modern Warfare 2. I was too young when they came out. I played them. I played them now. I, I repurchased them and played them in like 2018. I have to go back to those. I forgot I had that on disc. I'm like, I'm waiting for them to come on Game Pass. I fucking own the the Holy Trilogy. I know Modern Warfare 3 isn't as highly regarded. Uh, people are like, well, it's mostly just Modern Warfare 2 with a slight change and just some polish. I would rather them play it good and play it safe than completely fuck it up to, that would, you know, on something that ends the trilogy on the storyline. You know what I mean? I Like, I think Black Ops 2 is so strong kind of like Modern Warfare 2, it really put Black Ops 3 in a precarious position. I don't think Black Ops 3 is, in terms of campaign or anything, Black Ops 2, just so you all know, is one of my all-time favorite COD games. Ah, no, in fact, it is my all-time favorite Call of Duty game. And that's because of the time. You know? Now I've, Modern Warfare 3, I think, was the first one I was allowed to play that I bought. I already played Halo Reach a year and a half before that. I got Modern Warfare 3 right when that came out. Uh, so I know I kind of jumped in it backwards, but my parents were very lenient on music and film and television for me to consume for most part above my age by a long shot. But video games, they allowed me to play. I've been playing games all my life. But they wanted to slowly have me trickle into more violent video games. I don't blame them. I'm not a violent person, but they just didn't think jumping in headfirst and allowing me to play all the violent games would be conducive. And it sure as hell taught me to be a good salesman if I ever need to be one. Holy fuck. To convince them to get to, for me to, not to buy it. Buying it was one thing. I could save up money. You know, $60 or $50 at the time was a lot, sure, but I could save that up or I could get birthday money. That's one thing. And not to say it's not difficult. That is a difficult component. The harder part was convincing them that I should be allowed to play it. To buy it. To own it. To play it. You know? (laughs) Because they're the ones that would have to accompany me at a thing that we call GameStop. For those who don't know what that is. I'm kidding. (laughs) Most people still know what that is. We're not quite that far into 2020s yet. By 2027, I could see people not genuinely not knowing what the hell a GameStop is. Or knowing of it, just never have ever experienced being around one. We're still in this era where they're still there, and you can still go get them. And it is the best way to get a physical game that's cheaper and pre-owned, though. Amazon has a pretty good program. Anyway, um, I'm going off on a tangent here, but Call of Duty was very influential. And Black Ops 2 is my favorite. But Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare 2, even Modern Warfare 3, Black Ops 1 and Black Ops 2, 
I didn't play World at War till way later. And I love it, but I just, I don't get to have that fresh, young, never experienced this before. I played it way after a bunch of other COD games. So while I think it's a great game on its own, it just, you know, it wouldn't grab me as much. But it's a phenomenal game. It's probably their best World War Two era themed game in the COD franchise. So my point being, we have a lot of great games. They have stellar campaigns where you remember or care about the characters. They have incredible set pieces and moments. And they have great gameplay. The multiplayer suite is expansive. It's fun. It's robust. It's replayable. It's something to work for and it's something to play with your friends. And then they're offline, co-op, or even if it was online, they're less mainstream mode. The zombies, the spec ops, the this, the that, always just added another flavor of diversity and added a new twist to the couch co-op play if you weren't feeling campaign or multiplayer at the moment. It's a perfect package for $60. Campaign, and a good one, well-written. You know, it, it, it's not open world. It's not, you get all the choices in the world. It's six to eight hours, maybe more. But it's a thrill ride. It's a very fun movie. <laughs> and it's more of a Michael Bay movie than an Oliver Stone film, you know? And then multiplayer is where the bread and butter is. That's where the replayability, that's where the hundreds of hours can be lost if it's fun, if there's something to work for. Good map design, good gunplay, which God usually gets down just fine. Smooth and intuitive controls, which also they get down. Their gameplay loop is almost perfect. Um, that's why 2014, 15, and 16 suffered so, and 17 was such a suffering period for COD. Because they changed their gameplay loop. Colossal fuck up, in my opinion. You could tweak it. You could innovate it. You could change it a tinge, but changing almost completely? No, not a good idea. That fucks the balance. That fucks what people think they know about the game. On a franchise that's built on familiarity. It's not teaching you new mechanics when you jump in. It expects you to know certain stuff at this point. There's no tutorial. I mean, maybe in the first mission of the campaign, it shows some of the new features. Oh, you can lean. Oh, you could toggle your thing. Okay, that's fine. But it's not teaching you how to aim and shoot. It's not doing that calibration shit. Nope. You know what I mean? Um, I don't think they'll ever do that unless they do a massive change. They had to do that for Advanced Warfare, Infinite Warfare, and Black Ops 3 and 4. So we have four main games that completely changed the movement mechanics and the ebb and flow of the game as a whole. That was their experimental phase. We'll get into that. My point is the Call of Duty franchise has had ups and downs. I personally have a lot of different thoughts on it, but I have multiple episodes explaining that. So let's just get into where I think the future of Call of Duty, which I'm pretty sure I've already covered, but it's changed now because of Activision's acquisition or Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. That's a tongueful. <laughs> because of that, that changes everything, in my opinion. What does that change specifically? Well, first off, it changes the dev cycle. And they're going to strip it down and make it not an annualized thing anymore. They already announced that. Now, that won't take place for at least a few more years. So we'll probably have two to three more COD games before we see that change truly change. 
right? Because the acquisition has to go through, then they migrate. And since they're making games annually, I, I don't think we'll see that change until twenty twenty late 2024 to early 2025 at this rate. They could do it sooner, but I don't see how. And that's fine. We'll also see some more exclusive content to the Xbox and PC community, right? Uh, I don't think they're going to make the games exclusive. I think they'd be a colossal fuck-up. I don't think Microsoft's that stupid. They kept Minecraft cross-plat- or multi-platform with just more benefits and usage if you have Xbox. I think that's fine. In fact, the only thing they need to do with COD is make it day one on Game Pass. The new ones. And have all the old ones. And their DLC remastering all that. You know what I mean? So... There you go. That's how you win that war. And you can still release them full price everywhere else. <laughs> but if you have Game Pass, then you get caught. That's an easy, in my mind. Easy, easy, easy. Now, I don't know. Maybe on PC, that's a big market. I know on Xbox, it's a big market. So they are cutting into that. But they, you know, Xbox would rather have people on the Game Pass. So they, that's their decision. They're already gearing things at that, right? For fuck's sake, they made Halo, their flagship, the multiplayer, which is the bread and butter, and most people go to play free. So, I don't see why. If they have HUD for sale on other PC things that isn't Game Pass specifically, and on PlayStation, and any other console that's ever to come, there you go. (laughs) I mean, you know, if it's just free on Game Pass, I know it's a big chunk of the market, but it's not the biggest, so... Anyway, um, and it'll pull more people. It, I guarantee you. More people will buy. Do you know, I, if they don't add it to Game Pass, I'm going to be furious. Because I, I have Game Pass. I pay for that. I usually buy COD annually. I didn't for a long time. I got back into it in 2019. And I think I've bought it annually ever since. I didn't want to get Vanguard, but one friend convinced me, and then he never played with me. So it was a waste of money. But other than that... Even Cold War, even though I didn't love it, the zombies was phenomenal, so it was worth it for that. So I'm going to be honest with you, if they add it to Game Pass for day one stuff, new COD, oh my god, that will actually fully keep me financially in the green in terms of my Game Pass investment. Partially, that's $60 extra saved annually, just in general. That's great. That would help a lot of people. I also think sports games should drop the annualization and do every two to three years. But anyway, that's a different episode. Literally. Go check that one out. So, uh, God has a lot of potential going in the future. Still, don't be mistaken. It can fuck up dramatically. Because Microsoft's hands-off approach could warrant shit. You know, it's a toxic environment that Activision has been a part of for years now. And their work cycle is shattered. I mean, just look at Vanguard. And Vanguard had three years of dev time. Which is phenomenal. I have no idea how. I'm going to be honest. I don't think Sledgehammer Games should be developing full COD games. I said it there. I said it. What'd they do? Did they do did they do Advanced Warfare, maybe? I think so. Treyarch does Black Ops. Infinity Ward did... Maybe Infinity Ward did Advanced, and then Sledgehammer did Infinite Warfare. 
or something. Or maybe Infinity War did both and fucked up on those. And then I know Sledgehammer did COD World War II and COD Vanguard. Two of the weaker entries. I mean, even Ghosts in Infinite Warfare, whatever it's called, and um, Advanced Warfare. Even though those aren't as good, those are actually can be enjoyed. Like, I know they're cheesy, but I enjoyed the campaign. I was younger, so that's partially why. Multiplayer wasn't great, but it was okay. And some of the other modes were nice. And they had some innovations that eventually carried over to Modern Warfare 2019. So, no, not great. But World War II was absolute dog shit. And Vanguard is by far probably the worst COD game I've ever played. And it's a shame because the multiplayer is actually okay. It's just not great. The campaign is torture. I wish they cut the campaign. Never have wished that COD would cut a campaign until now. Just Sledgehammer, it just feels like they don't know what they're doing. And doesn't feel like they care. Not that... That's rude. I don't mean that. I mean, like, not that... They care. You don't spend that much time and energy and pain making a game if you don't care. I mean that it feels like they're out of touch with what we care about and with what they should prioritize. That's how I should have phrased that. They care. They just don't know how and where to direct their care, if that makes sense. Infinity Ward had that problem too and then said, okay, fuck it. We back up, we recenter, we refocus, and we do what we know, and we do it right. And I think Marvel for 2019, I know a lot of people are... I know it's it's a, regarded as a good game across the board and successful, and a lot of people like it, but I also understand it's a lot of people, they just don't fuck with the movement style or whatever. I don't get it. Everyone fucks with Warzone. It's the same movement style, people. It's the same. They're using the same engine and mechanics from Modern Warfare 2019 in Warzone. Right? The weapons and some balances, and they probably sped it up just a tinge, but still... It's the same. So if you like Warzone, you like Modern Warfare 2019's gameplay. I'm sorry. I had to break it to you. I just find that so funny when people are like, yeah, I didn't fuck with Modern Warfare 2019's multiplayer. And because the gameplay, I don't blame them. That's fine. That's their opinion. I think it's one of their best, but that's okay. I, I get it. I'm like, well, what do you think of Warzone? Oh, I love it. I play Warzone daily. I'm like, well, motherfucker, Warzone came out. Six, uh, three months after COD Modern Warfare 2019. It's built on the engine, the environments, and it's using all the assets in 2019. Uh, it's, it's funny. It's funny to me. Honestly, it's, it's interesting. So, anyway, we have a handful of games, ups and downs, bits and pieces that are good or bad. But for the past five to six years especially, the COD franchise has suffered. And the, there have been a few few things that broke through. Modern Warfare 2019 is the one game that across the board broke through and did good, other than the Spec Ops mode. But its campaign was phenomenal. Really, it was. Breathtaking. New engine. Great gunplay, gameplay. I mean, Modern Warfare 2019 looks and plays and feels so good. It is... It You could be fooled if you watched some no-HUD gameplay of it. Not multiplayer, but maybe campaign or of the realism mode with no HUD, you could be fucking fooled that it is a PC exclusive tax shooter, not a COD game. You could be fooled if you never played Modern Warfare, the new one, or looked at it. 
that's how good it looks and that's how it feels and moves and it's really good and i don't know why they dropped that system and i pray to the good lord almighty that modern warfare 2022 which is coming out this year right this november ideally is continuing the storyline and keeping relatively the same movement and gameplay mechanics if it doesn't they are fucking up their own identity within this rebooted franchise and if they gotta keep the same graphics they cannot slip on that ain't no fucking way if three years later if the graphics downgrade for a sequel direct sequel to the game right cold war came out the following year after 2019 and i could see why people thought oh maybe no cold war was built on a different engine by a different dev studio at the same time modern warfare was being built and it was made in nine months and it shows it is a rushed unpolished buggy piece of shit multiplayer wise zombies was phenomenal feels like that's where they diverted most of their attention campaign and zombies campaign was okay i know a lot of people liked it won my thing i liked it i liked seeing all the characters i just didn't love the storyline it just didn't grab me as much but zombies oh my god they gotta keep doing shit like that and then vanguard i don't know what the fuck happened so now you're caught up to speed in the last three cods you know you have the experimental phase where call of duty got fucking spooked by titanfall genuinely shitting their pants over the movement and the potential popularity titanfall never took off not because it's not good it's a phenomenal two games and the third one has been confirmed thank god titanfall is great they got fucked because ea you know i've already discussed that before in my previous episode i was discussing the future of video games but now this is the future of call of duty and i'm setting all this up as context exposition history if you will and I apologize for those who may have already heard me talk about it before or who may already know this. Um, it's just a refresher and a recap. I don't know who's listening and when they are. And this kind of gets my brain back in that zone so I can better analyze and assess what I think needs to come into the future. So, as I've said, Call of Duty is a phenomenal franchise for what it's done. But its highs are equaled by its lows, and there's no other franchise like it that has produced as many mainline games for as long as they have. So, of course, they stand out. And when they make a change, it changes the industry. Dramatically. But why is COD no longer as fun as it used to be? Warzone's an exception, but it's not going to last forever. So why is Call of Duty as a whole... Why do people prefer to go and try and play other games? Eh, partially because there's more opportunities, more options, right? More availability. And we're more used to switching and, and playing different games throughout the day now, right? It's not you're locked into the same game for hours. You have more choices. You have more availability. You can instantly switch back and forth. It's easier. That's part of it. I understand that. But I really do mean from a core standpoint, from a COD perspective, why don't we stick with COD for as long as we usually do, as we used to? Compare Call of Duty 4, Modern Warfare, the first one, MW2, hell, even MW3, Black Ops 1, Black Ops 2, and fuck it, even Black Ops 3. Compare those two trilogies from, mind you, from 2007 to 2013, 14? I think Black Ops 3 came out in 2015. So compare those six to seven years. 
in that era of all the CODs that you may know or have played or have had friends that played, compare it to now, what happened? Why are we here and how can we fix it in the future? As a community and what could the devs maybe do? More so. Uh, what, what could they do more? Sorry, I didn't finish that sentence. Um, because they're doing as much as they can right now, but I think there's huge structural infrastructure issues internally within Activision, within their dev cycle, within their process that needs to be remedied and fixed, and then also public perception as well as delivering content to the community. So let's get into it. So I've discussed the lows and the highs, the good and the bad, but mostly the bad. Now let's get into the future. Where can COD really go? Well, we've got the Modern Warfare 2 coming out, and I pray, I pray it is equal to, if not a little better, than Modern Warfare 2019. That's all I need. That's all I need. I don't care if it's the same fucking thing with just some new maps and a little polish on the graphics. I don't care. It was so good to me. To me, personally. I just really loved it. I know it's not perfect, but my god, it was really good. And they have been backtracking ever since in these past two games. So for two years, we've had shit CODs after a monumentally good COD where I'm like, okay, this has to change things. Because not only was it their best and most critically received in a while, it was also their most financially successful COD game ever. So I'm like, okay. And of course, Cold War came out, and it was also their most financially successful, and it wasn't nearly as good. And that's just because the hype of the last one. And it was only a year's time. Vanguard was actually, thank God, financially not as good and critically panned. So that helps. You need that. When it's not a good game, it needs a financial failure as well. That way, the publishing side of Activision, the corporate side, is like, okay, well, this just isn't selling well, so we can't do something like this again. They don't care if it's poorly received, but it sells a bajillion dollars. They don't give a shit. They're like, well, we made money, so... They can hate it all they want, but they bought it. They didn't wait for the reviews or for their peers to tell them it ain't good. They still bought it. Were they Pavlov's dog? How are we getting them to do it every time? You know, that's what I think happened with Cold War. Now, mind you, Cold War and Vanguard were already almost finished in development by the time Modern Warfare 2019 came out. So, yeah, it's one of those things as well where it's just like, well... They're coming out regardless. That's not going to change anything. But I was hoping that after that cycle, which we're now through, mind you, so we're restarting the cycle. It's been three years. So every three years, the entire cycle starts again. That's when changes are implemented. That's when the learned and shared experience in the last three years are implemented in the next three games. Every three games. So we've had Modern Warfare 2019. We've had Cold War, Black Ops Cold War, and we've had Vanguard. And so the the graphics, the gameplay, the engine, all of those polishes and improvements for next-gen should be implemented in every game going forward. And since Microsoft is taking the helm next year, there is a chance that this next three games is going to be ruptured to some extent. And I pray to God we're not too far into Sledgehammer's dev cycle where we can axe whatever the fuck they're making. Because they don't need to. <laughs> I'm sorry. Y you failed that many times. Like, even Halo 4 and Halo 5, even though they weren't great, even though they weren't 
as good as Bungie's Halo, in my opinion. They were okay. They weren't ass. I know Halo 5 people hated, but Halo 5, much to what COD was doing, was scared of Titanfall for whatever reason. Well, no, for good reason. Titanfall is phenomenal, and it should have overtaken both those games for those years and become the new franchise. So it should be Battlefield, Halo, and COD duking it out in AAA space, but EA cannibalized that for the sake of Battlefield, which is still asinine to me. Anyway, so um, that's a whole other issue, in my opinion. But uh, EA is something else, man. I'll tell you, Titanfall is one of my favorite franchises, so... You know, kind of stuck in that regard, but and I love the NHL games. I like hockey. What can I tell you? And I like the way the NHL plays. It's a, it's, it's a well-made hockey game. I don't love the microtransactions, but whatever. I'm not a fan of it, but it is my money. And if I choose to buy a few bucks in microtransactions, oh well. Also, uh, I'm playing the game for free because it's on Game Pass, so my logic is, well, at least it's not $60, and then on top of that, a bajillion dollars. I don't spend that much in microtransactions. Anyway, my point being, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of competition in 2013, 14, 15 that spooked people. And of course, then the Battle Royale craze hit, and you saw every other game copy that. Call of Duty and everything. Actually, Halo hasn't. Halo Infinite apparently will have a Battle Royale. I don't think that's necessary. Other than to bring new people in and to bring people in in general. If it's done well, it it would work. Actually, Halo is well built for that. I mean, think of the expansive maps. Think of all the vehicle options. Think of all the grappling hook, the armor ability. Using the gameplay loop of Halo Infinite, which is chef's kiss. Beautiful gameplay loop. Lacking in content and community development, but great gameplay. Use that in a battle royale setting. This large, intricate, expansive map. Hopefully combining some of our favorite aspects from other Halo games. Kind of like what Blackout did for COD. I think Blackout is a superior battle royale mode to Warzone. In the regards of map design and some element choices. Not in terms of gameplay. Modern Warfare 2019 gameplay mechanics being implemented in Battle Royale is far better. So Warzone is one of my favorite Battle Royales for that. But I'm not a big Battle Royale fan. But it's good for that. But the maps. Verdansk is great. And this resurgent rebirth shit is is fun. It's fun. But uh, why not have that Blackout map? There's no reason not to. That map combined everything we loved in Black Ops. Have one in Modern Warfare. They kind of did that with Verdansk. It had all the elements and the areas of the new Modern Warfare stuff. From 2019. That you see in the campaign and multiplayer suite. So it's okay. This Caldera shit. I don't know. I like the Godzilla and Kong thing. That's fun. But it's temporary. I don't think that map is great. So anyway. My point is that these companies get comfy. They don't do much change. And we need change. Call of Duty's gameplay loop is fine. And their formula is okay. But they need more time in the oven. Better graphics. Better polish. Better community engagement. You can't convince people to keep playing and staying on your game. If they know all their progress is going to be erased in one year. Guys, that's not a lot of time to get into a game. 
And why do we keep playing it? Why am I playing NHL if I know by next year NHL 23 comes out and all this is moot? Well, because A, I enjoy the gameplay. And I like building my team up. I like getting the new players. And I get smarter and I get better at the game. So it, it's weird. I don't love it. I do wish I didn't have to worry about rebuying and restarting. But also, we would all be level 99s overall. You know, so they would have to reset us anyway, even if we didn't have to rebuy the game, which would be fine. I actually wouldn't mind that. Reset us to an extent. Maybe, and I've discussed this in my previous game, but like if NHL, for example, since it's an annualized game, and this is a good example, or Madden or FIFA, take your pick, any annualized sports game, 2K, doesn't matter. Um, But for the online build your team cards, overall 99, the ultimate team, that kind of mode with the microtransactions and shit. I'm using NHL because that's the one of that's the sports game I play the most. I know I'm weird. Anywho, so I love the gameplay of it for one, and I'm a hockey fan. So I'm not a huge hockey. I'm like I don't know everything about hockey, but I'm a hockey fan. Always have been. So um, I know some of the players. I know some of my favorite teams, and I've gotten back into it. So I know more than I have. I know the gameplay. I know how it works. I've gotten good at the game, and the game is one of those games where you actually have to be good at the game. It's not just pressing a singular button. It's timing. It's precision work. It's not easy, and it's fun. It's engaging. So the gameplay, pretty good, and I like the building the team up. That's progress. I like that progress. Sure, I like exhibition games and all the other modes, but I really just like building up my team. Buying my these new players, buying these variations, having the cool artwork. I like that. That's fun to me. So why, you know, so I get to play that and I have fun with it. You know what I mean? And so if someone asks me, well, why do all that if it's just going to reset? Well, because I learn what players worked for me last time. I learn if I want to try new ones. I learn because the players don't change too much. I mean, maybe some of their attributes and they add some new factors like 2022 added x factors which is a kind of a new twist on some special abilities which is cool and really invigorated synergies and that does make a difference so all of that but you know there might have been a player last year that i got that was 86 and i liked him but i'm like okay but i wanted to get this player and i just never got to it and now i'm at that place where i'm buying 86 players so i'll get him you know those kinds of things and i've also gotten better at the game so i don't mind it especially since it's on game pass i wouldn't buy this game at full price you got you had me fucked up if I was doing that. No. I'm not buying NHL every year, sixty dollars full price. No. I've never bought it at full price. Starting since I got back into it. Twenty nineteen is when I got into it, so NHL nineteen. That was on gold. Had that right out the bat for free. Twenty twenty, not free, but I got it on sale, twenty bucks. Twenty twenty one, also not free, but I got a half price, thirty bucks. Yeah, see what I'm saying? So I'm not paying full price for this shit. 2022 game pass completely free just came out last week on game pass yes it's six months into its entire release cycle so i actually only have six months doesn't matter it's the only time i play these hockey games is in the summer when the stanley cup is going on i play it for a couple months in the dry spell when there's not many new games out you know what i mean so i like it i have fun with it that's the annualized cycle for you though it's not a particularly healthy one, but for Call of Duty specifically, no, doesn't work like that. You don't build your team up again. It's not like that. You, you just lose your stats. Now, I know it's not as detrimental because you don't actually have that much progress, and it's a new game, so you can grind for new guns and skins and all that, but it's just like, it, 
it would be fine if all the games were as polished as Modern Warfare 2019 were and better balanced than that was. But they're not. That's not the case. And they're inconsistent. And they're jumping around in eras. And I do like that for the diversity of it, but I don't think it's going to always work. So how do you stick with the core formula and stick with consistency and delivering on stuff, but how do you also keep it fresh? I'm not quite sure. But I think I think you have two mainline franchises with Black Ops and Modern Warfare, and I think they're perfectly fine to innovate. And if Sledgehammer is the experimental branch, then they have to actually fucking experiment. And that doesn't mean going World War II with the slightly altered history route. That's ridiculous. That's played out. Fucking do, I don't know, anything. Literally anything else. Do Spartan. Why not? Do a reimagining 300. Could you imagine gladiator shit in first person with the COD mechanics? That'd be hilariously fun. And brutal. And interesting. And make it half price. Make it $30 when Sledgehammer puts out a game. That way people ain't losing money like that. If you're keeping an annualized cycle, if you're keeping Sledgehammer in the loop. In terms of other things, I think in terms of Modern Warfare, Modern Warfare is so far for at least until Modern Warfare 3, till that reboot, I think Infinity Ward's perfectly where they are, perfect spot. I think Treyarch is an interesting predicament. They just did a Cold War game. So I think, naturally, in my mind, the next evolution is Vietnam, for fuck's sake. How have we not done a Vietnam how is it that the Call of Duty franchise in its 20 years and near 20 games of all the wars it's covered, it's covered fictional near to the realism of a modern war game, uh, modern war times, Afghanistan, Middle East conflicts of 2000, early 2000s and on, right? Post 9-11 stuff. It's covered that. It's covered World War II enough. That's it. There are other wars America has been in since it's usually from an American's perspective. And it's covered Cold War era stuff, though Cold War was never a hot war until Vietnam. So why not Vietnam? Why not the Korean War? Those are two pretty big ones that we just seem to skip out on. Why not World War One? Battlefield did a good job with World War One. No, it wasn't the most historically accurate. Who cares? It was really fun and it was it was still World War One. I don't get it. Treyarch could do that. Though I think for a, mod- for a Vietnam one, I don't think Treyarch... I mean, unless they're taking the approach of World at War, I don't think Treyarch should do that. I know it seems weird. They did Cold War and they did World at War. Infinity War hasn't, but Infinity War handles the more dramatic, realistic element. And I think if you're doing Vietnam, you can't have a gameplay loop of the more f- fast lighter style of Black Ops. Not to say Black Ops in terms of its... I guess Black Ops in terms of its campaign is more serious, though, often, with Black Ops 1 and 2. I don't know. It's a tough... It's a toss-up. Or you just have them work on the same game. You know, that never occurred to me. Have Treyarch write it and do zombies and do some gameplay elements and assets and have... Infinity War make the gameplay, the graphics for a perfect COD Vietnam game and keep that game out for two years minimum. Add, have a pipeline of new maps and modes. That would be incredible. 
So there's a lot to have with new resources and new allocation, and Activision is now no longer Activision in the same way, so Microsoft gets to shake up the foundation. I think that'd be cool. And quite beneficial. So we'll see. Hopefully that does well if they do stuff like that. Even if they just keep doing Black Ops and Modern Warfare, they just have to keep pushing and improving, polishing gameplay mechanics, adding some new twists to things. The fact that there was a realism mode, the fact that the engine was so much better, and the fact that the movement was better and there was more punch and realism to Modern Warfare 2019 made all the difference. Hell, the fact that Cold War Zombies was so streamlined in terms of its efficiency that it had body parts that decay and cripple, that it had new perks and pretty decent map, actually. Pretty decent maps. Not enough maps, not enough content, post-content update and zombies. That's where it fell short, but, but it was pretty good. And the fact that it had not a great campaign, but an okay one in terms of zombie storyline. But also, it just kind of modernized and polished some things that, in hindsight, were things where we're like, we got used to, but didn't need to. Like, it added a counter at the bottom, so you know how much longer you have a power-up that you pick up, like an insta-kill. It also, you no longer have to reload your mag to fill the top clip, you know, to keep it full when you hit max ammo so it it just fills everything completely including the current magazine even if you've expended some bullets like real simple convenient things that doesn't take away from anything it actually just adds a little more ease and some new elements the scrap and the collecting i thought that was cool and i liked the way that the zombies it felt more responsive when you shot them different limbs and parts and flesh fell off. That was important visual representation and graphic fidelity, engagement, information receiving back to the player of their actions that they take. I think that's important. And, you know, showing the tier, the rarity of that weapon when it drops, that's helpful. You know, and to upgrade the ammo type, I thought that was cool. I've spent a lot of hours in Cold War Zombies with my buddies. I thought it was really cool. The only problem was we could play it for... Two to three hours. That's good. Not many games could keep us like that. So that, that tells you something. Problem is, for like four months, there's one map. They finally added a new map, and the new map is great. So they need to have some more variety in the zombie things, and variety in the maps, and not making the maps too convoluted. Like the last, the latest map for Cold War was, oh shit, all the portal jumping? No. Was it a third or fourth one? A uh, third one with the underground part was cool. It was the fourth one with the... Third one was of the Berlin, the police center in the opening of the Cold War campaign. Where you do the first mission. But the fourth one was the inside that Hollywood place. In that Russian-American simulation. By the way, that mission in Cold War was incredible. Really cool. Those kinds of things. It doesn't take much. It just takes some innovation and creativity. We know you're going to have a character tell us where to go down a corridor. We know that. But if you're going to have that happen, make it like Clean House in Modern Warfare 2019. Where the realism and the emotional impact of taking a shot at somebody resonates. 
not everyone's shooting at you. There are civilians in the house, and you have to identify who is and who isn't friendly. There's no... There's no rule telling Call of Duty that they can't have vehicles. There's no rule telling Call of Duty that they can't have realism. Call of Duty could be Arma if it wanted to, or could be like Insurgency. They could change things like that. They can make it much gorier with dismemberment. They could make it really gritty and realistic. Where the campaign is... Open-ended in the sense where you go down a corridor, the consequences may follow, and some of the layout of the enemies are procedurally generated, so it always keeps it a little fresh and spicy, even if you replay the mission. It doesn't have to be so, you know, singular, where you're following someone down a corridor and this staged event is triggered. I mean, it's fine if it's done well, but it's just one of those things It doesn't have to be. There's nothing saying it has to stay that way. There's nothing saying that the multiplayer suite only has to be that way and there can't be innovations to that. There's no reason that the multiplayer... There's no reason that there's... You know, that doesn't... You can have a multiplayer mode that has um, extreme close quarters. uh, Spy versus mercs like in Splinter Cell sort of thing. Or a fucking... That would have been cool in Modern Warfare 19. One team has night vision, the other has flashlights. And you're working in the dark. Right? Kind of asymmetric dynamic. Kind of like Ewok Hunt in Battlefront. Or Spies vs. Mercs in Splinter Cell. There's no reason not to have these modes. The fact that they added a tactical realism mode. Which was just the same games. But no HUD. Usually at night. But even if it's not at night. No HUD. And it was hardcore. So one shot, one kill. That it was my favorite mode in COD. Modern Warfare 2019. It was just absolutely engaging as all hell and it's extremely fun and it was the closest thing people on console got to tactical realism game and it's made with the polish of cod mind you call of duty has some of the best and most polished gameplay of a shooter out there in terms of its feel and in terms of its weight and punch and responsiveness net code that's where the money goes and that's good there's not many other games that have that feeling So it doesn't need to be so mainstream. It doesn't need to be so arcade feeling. It doesn't need to be so childish. It can mature. Or it can have a subsect that is more mature than its counterpart. It can have Treyarch that's a little more mainstream and designed for 14, 15, 16 to 18 year olds. And people who are fans of the Black Ops stuff, which I am, right? Black Ops 2 being my all-time favorite, right? And then it can have the more serious toned for 20 to 25 year old people or older that slower tactical realism, the more Insurgency Sandstorm feel, which I know Insurgency is not the slowest tactical game ever, but Insurgency is kind of a beautiful marriage of Battlefield, Call of Duty, and a traditional tactical shooter game. There's a lot of potential in the future. I hope we get remasters. Not remakes, not reboots, just remasters of some of these games, like World at War, Fresh Coat of Paint, you know, improve frame rates, improve stability, wavely, you know, greatly improve graphics and, and fidelity in that regard and put on Game Pass. Or we could get a COD Master Collection, like a Master Chief Collection, just a COD franchise collection, which would be incredible. Could you imagine every Call of Duty game ever remastered to its fullest ability? Play all through all the campaigns on Game Pass. And the multiplayer suite, fully remastered, redesigned, 
implemented, kind of like Master Chief Collection, right? With all kinds of control schemes that you prefer. You can select which modes from which games you want. If you want to just play, spin Modern Warfare 1 and 2 and Black Ops 1 and 2, you can. And it's in its own dedicated server to that specific franchise game. So all these servers that are no longer functioning or as safe or as polished. Much Just literally Master Chief Collection, but for Call, Call of Duty. And the reason why I say this now more than ever is because Microsoft owns it. So we know they could do it if they wanted to. They have the resources and they know how to. They've done it before. And they've just announced they're doing it with Gears of War. So I've seen no reason not to do it with Call of Duty. But at the very least, to at least begin and test it since the entire franchise would be the biggest fucking thing, biggest project to undertake. Um, maybe like everything up till the last three games. You know what I mean? That way make it easier on themselves. But, um, and then you can select which ones you want downloaded at all or parts of it. Much, you know, literally just Master Chief Collection just with Call of Duty. That's it. But at least start with that with zombies. Why not? I mean, that would be even easier. It's not as many games I have a zombies mode. All the zombies modes, all the DLC, the maps, all remastered if needed to the best of their ability. All in one place on dedicated new servers for everyone to play. Why the hell can't we do that at least? I think we will. I think in very soon we will. They're going to capitalize on the nostalgia. Could you imagine? If that was on Game Pass. If all the zombie modes, maps, DLCs remastered to the best of its ability with the new control schemes. And you could play original or new. In terms of presentation and mode. So new would be what Cold War implements with some of its conveniences and its decaying bodies. And then original or classic. Where it's just like World at War and Black Ops zombies. Other than the newest games like Cold War. I think that'd be really cool. They have to start doing stuff like that to make it more accessible. And to highlight that they're a franchise. To allow people to go back and play it. People want to go back and play games. Just because COD comes out annually does not mean that's not a plausibility. So here's to hoping we can get that. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's been a few weeks since I actually last recorded this. My apologies. Got uh, busy with life, as is the case sometimes. But I wanted to finish this episode because I do think it's important. Um, I'm a Call of Duty fan, but but uh, but because I'm a gamer fan, not necessarily because I'm like exclusively Call of Duty. You know, I'll play Call of Duty when it feels like it's a good game, and I'll say it. Like I'll say it. Like I, it feels weird sometimes when a Call of Duty is like better than other games on the market because Call of Duty's become that annual. Is solid well made sometimes it's it's got great elements to it it's accessible and it's fun no doubt it's almost always fun to an extent but how long and to what extent and does it last and is it actually that fun right and some years is better than others right that's okay an annualized cycle has that and i had to grow up and really learn that that i can't bag on call of duty just because it's doing what it's doing best i can't critique it I can say, why isn't it doing as good as the last one did, right? And I've talked about in this episode already how it can improve on its annualized cycle, how we can get some more 
content out there for the hardcore fans. This is a franchise that's been around longer than almost any other franchise at the caliber it's been performing at in terms of production value, advertisement, marketing, and general player concurrent numbers. There's no other game like it. There really isn't. So sure, sure, it can become cookie cutter. Sure, it can become obnoxious at times. And it's not that it doesn't have its myriad of problems, but there are moments in Call of Duty that are so profound and so powerful that it reminds us why it is the most successful video game franchise out there. And I think that I have to remind myself that. And I hope that with this new Activision acquisition, that's a mouthful, we can see better content. Now, of course, transition takes time, right? These things are not going to be swift. We're talking even after the acquisition is closed and the assets are arranged to move. We're talking a two to three year turnaround until we actually see substantial change from the standpoint of when you pick up the controller and play the game. I'm not saying it's going to feel different. Microsoft didn't buy Activision to make a Call of Duty to make it feel different. It feels great the way it usually, usually, the way it plays. That's not the issue, no. The issue is its content pipeline its community outreach and responses, its general lack, or more, not lack, more sporadic bipolar nature, um, manic, I should say, not bipolar, it's manic nature of going from, uh, from of just between annual releases. We're talking last five years, Call of Duty knowing exactly what the fuck it needs to do delivering on it and giving exactly what the fans want and then some, right? Doing that partially, giving some elements a massive overhaul and really improving and then completely falling flat on its fucking face, acting like it's never known what the hell Call of Duty is. And these are all studios that have been developing COD games for either 20 years or um, at least five to six years. This isn't new studios, okay? You know, like if I, if Vanguard, for example, Call of Duty Vanguard, absolute shit show, do not play that game. It's not even worth it if it's free to play. It's just a waste of your fucking time, money, energy, and love for the franchise. It is a colossal fuck up for no reason. Like, it makes no sense. I, I have to do some research and find out why it's so bad, because it's, it's polished and, and, and to some extent. Sure, it's got its bugs. Sure, it's not perfect, but it, it's pretty polished. It's got a plethora of modes. It's not fun. <laughs> How the fuck? Even bad cut games in the past were at least fun. It's not fun. It's monotonous. The campaign is god-awful. If you want to play World War II game, go play Sniper Elite. Especially 5. Just came out. If you have Game Pass, play it on there. If you don't, doesn't matter. Buy it. Sniper Elite is actually one of the better in my opinion, double A, I think it's double A, uh, video game franchises, and I'm going to do an entire podcast episode about that very soon, because I've played almost all of them, all but the first one, 
the fifth one just came out like a couple days ago, so it's not like going to be an in-depth review of the fifth one, but I know enough of the franchise to speak on the franchise in its totality and to include elements of the newest edition. Anyway, moving on. Um, so what's incredible about COD is that it really does have this ebb and flow of quality. And to some extent, while it's not a good thing because consistency can be lost, it is a redeeming factor. Because what it means is it means that it really does matter who's developing it. I don't think people put stock in that. Um, I've been thinking about it lately, right? My favorite video games and, you know, there's not many other franchises that have this big of a budget, this much success. There isn't any, actually, that have lasted this long with this kind of a budget and this kind of mainstream appeal. No, nothing on earth like Call of Duty. And so we have to give respect to that because the first majority of the games up until 2012 were phenomenal. Majority. Handful of duds, but or mediocre or okay, not as great, but they were groundbreaking for the entire genres that they were placed in. They were game of the years. They weren't just annualized, oh, here's another Call of Duty. Call of Duty will never, I don't think it'll ever be considered game of the year again. But we're talking, when we're talking Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare, or hell, even Modern Warfare 2. Black Ops 1, Black Ops 2. I mean, we're talking some heavy hitters. Much to the extent of the first three Halo and even Reach. So, um, so reason why it's as successful as it is, and it lost its footing, and it keeps finding it, and then it fucking loses it again, and it's very odd, right? I would say post-Black Ops 2 is when it started to get a little shaky on the foundation. Doesn't mean they were bad, right? Everyone has a subjective opinion. I liked a handful. I didn't like a handful, right? It was on and off from 2012 up when I started playing more CODs. Right? Some people thought Modern Warfare 3 wasn't good. Um, I don't agree with that personally, but I understand where they're coming from. They didn't think it was bad, they just thought it was a little samey. A little cookie cutter, direct replicate of Modern Warfare 2. With a few new twists, but not enough. Not enough to warrant the price tag, other than the campaign, which was underwhelming compared to the other two. But if you haven't noticed... A trilogy, the third episode, the third part, is usually, very often, the hardest to stick the landing. I'm just telling you right now, doesn't, doesn't mean it's true. Halo 3 absolutely blows that stereotype out of the water. Revenge of the Sith blows that way out of the fucking water. So, it's not to say it's always true, but, you know, it happens. Now, I liked Modern Warfare 3. I was okay with it because it improved a little bit. It added a little bit of fresh twists, but... No, it's okay. Modern Warfare 2 was so fucking good. So what? So what? They they play it safe for the Modern Warfare 3. They wanted to close the trilogy. They wanted to do it safely. They didn't want to take a bold risk and really fuck it up. So I'm glad for what it is. And then we enter the, the futuristic genres, the modern motion, the movement, the fast pace, all that. That's a perfectly fine gameplay concept for Titanfall or for an original IP like Titanfall, or for, um, you know, even Halo introducing it didn't feel right, and I don't think it should have been done, but it makes more sense in Halo. Not in Call of Duty. I'm sorry. 
The reason why the industry reacted the way they did is because they saw the forecast and they thought Titanfall was going to be the next AAA genre that could knock them off the pedestal. And they were right. It could have if EA didn't actually squander once they acquired Respawn, mind you. I mean, it was originally its own thing. but So first one wasn't as financially successful as they thought it would be. And when the second one was in development and came out, both phenomenal games, Titanfall 1 and 2, and check out my podcast on the Titanfall franchise, both some of the best FPS games you'll ever play. But they just didn't get the marketing. They didn't get the hype. They didn't get the time and the sunlight because EA for the second one, which is vastly improved over the first one, to the point where I don't even want to talk about the first one, even though the first Titanfall is phenomenal. The second one is so much better that there's no point in talking about the first one, in my opinion. So... EA just butchered it, as I've said many times, right? So that threw it under the bus, and that's okay, but that scared them. And and I've, I've already discussed this in other episodes. I've already discussed a little bit about this earlier in this very episode. I'm just giving a light recap because it's been a couple weeks since I recorded this, and I'm kind of getting through some stuff. But my point is, they got scared. They, they saw that their ex-employees of... COD and Halo and a handful of other studios went to Respawn, made this phenomenally well-made game really fresh, original, really fun. It just didn't get the marketing buzz it needed. Otherwise, it would have been as successful over time as possibly as Call of Duty. So they jumped on the hype train of the fast movement. They thought that's where the industry was headed. Every single game that followed that trend fucked up because they they abandoned what made people want to play them and what made them a franchise in the process. They didn't add it as an element or as a tool to better the core experience they've already designed and spent years improving and getting their players accustomed to. Remember, at the end of the day, when you're a creator in the field that that video games, film, music, and theater, and, and other forms like this, you may be making it for yourself. For your love of the artistry. I do. That's for sure. I make the rap, the films, and my other content for myself to an extent. But it's not just for myself. I improve. I adapt. I learn. I improvise. I add on. And I edit. And I try to make it better for the audience. Because at the end of the day, they matter as much as I do. Right? Now, I don't want to do anything I'm unhappy with. Right? So I make sure I'm happy and proud of it. And then I make sure the audience could at least either understand where I'm coming from if I'm making changes or at least, um, you know, appreciate what I am trying to do. And hopefully they love it. Hopefully they see it as a vast improvement over the last thing I I created. And hopefully they really connect with it or like it or, or love it or share it or whatever, right? It's the same with the video games. They make it because they want to make a fun game. They make it because they love this game or they love the idea. It's a passion. It's an art. And then they have to also consider the audience. And the problem that any kind of franchise or studio or individual hits when they are as when they are as successful as they are. That is a mouthful. Try saying that three times fast. As successful as they are. <laughs> when they are that successful, and when they are, within when their career has ex- has spanned as long as it has, that's when it gets tricky. When Halo and Call of Duty has been around for twenty years, right? 
when a certain artist has been around for over a decade. When a film franchise has been around for over a decade. It gets tricky because how do you continue the storyline or the progress or the general momentum that you've kept and created? And by the way, if you keep it up for more than a couple of years, you've definitely got something going. So you want to keep it up, of course. So how do you improve? How do you let new original thought and artistry come through? And how do you still service the fans or the people who supported you from the beginning? There's no answer to that. That is the golden question in sustaining uh, entertainment. You know, And people are like, oh, it's just relevant. So you just want to stay relevant, trendy. Yeah, part of it. I mean, you have to. You have to, if you're a Call of Duty developer, you have to have people buy your games. And here's the thing. Unlike a, 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 and this is throwing no shade, because Sniper Elite franchise is one of my personal favorite franchises out there. And is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, But it's double A. And it doesn't get the funding and marketing. Now, the fifth one's gotten way more, so it's good that they're increasing their faith in it. You make a fifth one of a franchise, a franchise that's been out since early 2000s, you, you have enough confidence by that point, right? And you've made enough money. So it's not to say that they're working with, um, you know, nickels, they're rubbing nickels together to make something of it, but they are definitely near, not nearly at a friggin' budget or community engagement as COD or Halo or any of these other big hitters. So... For a Sniper Elite game, half the sales of what COD would get in the first week for a Sniper Elite game would set them over the fucking moon. I would say even a quarter would be phenomenal for them. I'm not sure. I don't know the exact metrics. I don't know what their goals are. I don't know their benchmark, and I'm not taking away from either studio. I think they're all um, great artists and are working tirelessly to make the art that they're passionate about and what the community wants. So I'm not taking away from that. I'm just saying... You know, we're comparing different scale, right? I, for me, example, right? Um, if my next song was 10% or I fuck it, 1% as successful as one Eminem song or one Jack Harlow song or one Jid song, that would be fucking monumental. You see? If I get 1% of what Eminem gets in his first week of sales for a single or an album, that would put me in a place that I've never been in before. If someone did the math and said I was already at the 1%, I'd fall the fuck over. But that's my point. Or 5% or 10%, whatever. Small fraction. If Eminem lost 90% or 99% and only had that 1%, that would be such a dramatic fuck-up on his part and feel like a personal failure because he's been at this caliber he's been putting out this content he's been working as hard as he's been working right you see what i'm saying so that's the other thing right that people at this level tom brady eminem michael jackson when he was alive right um you know call of duty halo you know MCU, uh, you name it, long-lasting franchises with great impact, beautiful artistry, dedicated fan base, a crap ton of money and financial and marketable success, how do you maintain that?
without falling off, right? So they thought the the so call, for Call of Duty's sake, their sales have to be at a certain level, and it's higher than almost any other publisher or studio has to hit for them to break even from what they've spent and for them to at least be happy to see the noticeable change or improvement, right? And then it comes down to the balance of the hype engine. So, against the marketing and the hype, which could kill a game, right? And we've talked about that before in the in the the fall of the video game industry uh, episode, which I highly recommend you check out. Um, how do you balance that that hype, the marketing, the promo, the excitement against the setting the actual expectations and delivering enough to where people are satisfied? I, I, you know, that's just one of those other questions where it's like you don't know. You just have to figure it out. You just have to balance it perfectly. And you can't. So sometimes you fuck up. I think Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019, taking it back to the very first podcast episode I ever did, right? That was a that was an interesting time in video games, right? We had Sekiro come out uh, in March of 2019, I believe. We had um, a slew of new games come into 2020, coming up. You know, we were about to end the decade. People were feeling good. It was a slow year, right? This is before the pandemic. This is before some of the issues that we have seen in the past two and a half years. Um, the video game industry was not in a lull, but it wasn't... It was getting stale. Battle Royale and other genres. You could really see the corporate greed infest the video game market across the board. It wasn't just in select areas anymore, right? From 2016 to 2019, there's a huge kick up in this corporate shit. Uh, yeah, 2016, 2015, <clears throat> 2015 really, to 2019. It was it was bad, but there were some changes and there were some fresh things and improvements and there was hope. And Call of Duty was not firing on all cylinders for these four years. Not to say that none of them were good. A handful of the games were fine. And, and some of them were good, but none of them were, like, showed the people, the community, that Call of Duty knew what they were doing, knew where they wanted to be, and knew who they were and where they are going to go. None of that really was exemplified anymore. So, um... You know, when Modern Warfare 2019 came out, they really marketed it as a game where they said, we understand what people are going to expect, saying we're doing a Modern Warfare again. Building it from the ground up. New engine, new gameplay physics, to a, to an extent. Um, a retelling with your favorite cast of characters. Improving as much as we can across the board. This is a new era of Call of Duty. That's somewhat how they marketed it. They showed that they were going to give it boots on ground. They showed they were going to give it realism. They showed that they're going back to their roots, but they're not just going to copy and paste. They're doing something original while still maintaining something that we have nostalgic value for. 
And personally, I think they hit it perfectly. The graphics were phenomenal. Gameplay was great. Um, they had realistic modes. They had all kinds of game modes. Not to say it wasn't unbalanced. Not to say there were issues. But, oh my god. The things that made me hate COD were all but eliminated in this Marvel for Entry. In fact, when I was playing it, I'm like, is this actually Call of Duty? So, yeah. Then Cold War came out a year later. Now, to their benefit, they only had nine months of dev time. And I mentioned that earlier, but... um. Zombies was a strong standout. Very strong for me. Everything else was okay. Not great. Not terrible. But okay. Just not as good as Modern Warfare 2019. Right? Nothing really sh I mean, that game for me shook the earth and got me re-interested in Call of Duty. After long years of me feeling like, ugh, this franchise is just becoming worse and more toxic to me. And then Vanguard came out and that pretty much shattered everything I had. Faith built up from COD 2019. Okay. Vanguard just took the wind right out of it. Couldn't even stay accurate to World War II. Alternate history wasn't even interesting. They didn't even take notes from Wolfenstein. The gameplay was so same. The UI was the same. It was, since Modern Warfare 3, it was the first game that really did feel cookie cutter. It felt like they just threw a World War II skin over Cold War. With a little better graphics. And, and some good game modes. I'm not going to say it's a completely dog shit game, but it's a pretty dog shit game. Like, I, I don't see myself ever playing it again. It was so boring, I couldn't even play the campaign. And I usually could at least, you know, push myself to get through the campaign. Because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a sucker for cinematic stuff. Nope. I couldn't. I'm just like, this is... Why'd they put this game out? They should have not. Or why not just make this a $20 game? A buy time game. I, I don't know. Just no. It didn't work. And that's my personal view. I, th I think most people feel Vanguard was just a, a f just a flop. And it happens. I mean, this long of a franchise, it's, it's bound to happen. And it's happened many times. But while Cold War and Vanguard were coming out from 20, from mid-2019, or, or I'm sorry, late 2019 through 2020 to now, so we've just gotten word of Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, 2022, the rebooted one, the sequel to the 2019 one, the one I started this podcast all on. So let's get into it. Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2022 is on the horizon. October 28th, the release date was just revealed a couple days ago. Um, I'm excited for this one. This one I know is coming. I assume there will be a Modern Warfare 3, but this one is where it really matters. right? The first one mattered a lot, and they did a great job. They landed it for the most part. I'd give it like a 90 out of 100 in terms of a Call of Duty game. Okay, <laughs> it's not compared to like Elden Ring or something. So, uh, with that in mind, where do we go from here? What could they improve? Well... I hope they don't change too much because other than some balancing bug fixes, adding the stuff that we love from Modern Warfare 2 and having a kick-ass campaign, I, I think that's all we could ask for. They don't need to add any new enticing thing. I mean, the gunsmith workbench thing was ingenious, I guess. They could if they if they figured something out like that, but, but honestly, 
they, they got it right down. I mean, the balance, the feel of the multiplayer was great. If they could, and this may be just an Activision thing, if they could stop with these rotating playlist bullshit and have a core, just select the modes. Halo 2. Why is Halo Infinite doing that? Why are all these game modes doing that? Back in the day, you just select the modes you want to play. And you could see how many people playing them. Now these companies will just take them out because not enough people play them. Why? After all that work, just leave them there. That keeps people playing. If there are only 20 people, or 200, or 2,000, or 20,000, depending on the scale of your game and the population, who play that mode, but there's 2 million people. So say, like, for TDM, they play, there's, like, 20 million people playing that mode consistently throughout the week. And then for the realistic TDM, where there's no HUD and lower health and all that, which is a great mode in Modern Warfare, and I hope they bring that back. Modern Warfare 2019, that is. That's all I'm talking about. I'm not talking about original Modern Warfare from this point on. Just 2019, just because we're about to go into the sequel to that one. Um, 20. Let's say there's 20 million, and I don't know the actual numbers. Let's say it's 20 million weekly playing TDM and, and capture the flag, I guess. And for the realistic versions of that, there's only 2 million people playing that. Why would you take that playlist out of rotation? Because if there's 2 million people playing that mode, that's still 2 million fucking people. And if that's really the only mode they want to play, why would you take that away? You have just cut 2 million people from playing your game. And no matter what mode they're playing, if they're playing the goddamn game consistently, that helps your numbers. I don't get it. And if it's a server thing, if it's because they can't keep things stable and the whole fucking thing would come crashing down, okay. You gotta cut some of the things that aren't as popular. But I don't think that's the case. I think it's a popularity contest. And if it's not the top five most popular modes, after a few months, it's gone. And once people beg for it, or once they think it's a time to kind of freshen it up, they bring it back as if it never went away. Or as if it's a brand new mode. Which is even worse if they act like it's a brand new mode. They've been doing that for the past five years, and it's obnoxious. Halo is doing that now, and, and for that franchise, I really don't get why it's doing that. Halo's beauty is having so many options, so many niche pockets that people can play in. If, if 42 people are playing SWAT, let them play SWAT. You built the damn game. You have the server running. You did all that work to make SWAT. Why just cut it out? And that's what I don't get about these modes. Plunder in the war zone comes and goes. Why? Why not just keep it there permanently? People like to play plunder. Actually, a lot of people do. People who don't like getting shit on in regular battle royale mode. Why not keep that as an option? That just increases the range and the amount of people who will play your game. I don't fucking get it. Maybe there's something I'm missing. I hope to God there's some logical explanation that makes 110% sense that I'm missing where I could say, oh, I'm an idiot, my bad, that makes more sense, never mind, let me shut the fuck up. But from a consumer standpoint and from a general logic standpoint, that makes no fucking sense. That would be like if I had, if I released a new album and, you're, and the top three played songs are great and then I cut the other seven songs from that 10-track album. I just erased them. That's what that would be like. Because only, oh, because the top three are getting a couple hundred streams per week, and then the other seven are getting a total maybe 50 streams. 
Why would I do that? I want every single stream and I want everyone who likes a certain track. If you hate the entire album of mine, all nine tracks except one, and there's one that ends up in your playlist and you do appreciate and you bump to it and you'd even appreciate my artistry because of it, why the fuck would I take that song away from you? I already went to the work of making the damn song and putting in an album and promoting the fuck out of it. Why would I ever do that? That would hurt myself, that would discredit what I worked so hard to do, and that would take away a piece of art that you happen to appreciate. Why the fuck would I ever do that? It's the same logic to me. Why would you do that for game modes? Especially in such a multiplayer-driven mode. Right? It'd be like if in Elden Ring, they just say, oh, well, people don't like getting fucked too hard in this, in this realm, in this area. We're just going to cut this region and all the bosses and all the items. What? We'll bring it back in a few months, maybe. What? <laughs> Why would you? Oh, it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen. And that's something that goes under the radar. Not many people talk about that. And it's not just with COD. It's with a whole other thing. They just fucking deleted Verdansk. They made it an event because player concurrent counts were going down in Warzone. But Call of Duty just said, oh, the main map that everyone played Battle Royale on, that they learned and loved to appreciate? Yeah. We're nuking it. Goodbye. What? Just to make room for the new CODs so they, every new mainline COD introduces a new element to Warzone? That's fine. I don't mind that. But why not just keep the three maps? It's three fucking maps. You guys, they're not that well-made maps. They're not going to be so interesting that people are like, oh, I only want one map forever. Keep Verdansk, keep Rebirth Island, and keep Caldera. That way, when people are tired of Caldera, they can go to Rebirth. That way, when they're tired of Rebirth, they can go to Verdansk. When they're tired of Verdansk, they can go to one of those. <sighs> right? Add variety. Otherwise, people will no longer play your game. That's a very simple concept. In this day and age especially. So I hope that Modern Warfare 22 really reduces that bullshit tactic of just dropping playlists. I don't think they will. I think that'll stay consistent for the next couple of years um, because Activision's still in charge, and so the next two to three COD games are still under their purview. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what changes. Hopefully they fix that shit because that's just not good, and that's a simple thing that fractures the community, and it, and it severs your player count. It's unfortunate. It, I get it. It sucks if everyone's just joining, just logging on to play one game mode of all the game modes you make, but but suck it up. That just means for the next game, you really want to prioritize that game mode and maybe take inspiration from that to build a new kind of game mode that's similar to that. Don't take away the game mode everybody loves, just or that not as many people love, but people still play. I guess is the reason. They wouldn't take the game mode that everybody loves. They would not axe the most popular modes. They know that much. They wouldn't cut TDM and capture the flag in Hardpoint or anything like that. Um, or Secure Area or whatever it's called. I don't know. I'm a Rainbow Six player. <laughs> I love these mods. Uh, those just those simple things. But hopefully Modern Warfare 22 recaptures some of that magic. And it's perfect timing. In early 2023, what's it, February or March, we're getting the sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. And Jedi Fallen Order, EA, Star Wars, Respawn, all that, that came out a month before COD Modern Warfare. 
2019. So those two games were heavy hitters in the fall of 2019. Phenomenal. And it's great. They're both coming back for the sequels, direct sequels to those games, relatively three to four months apart from each other, or five. That's impressive. That's just kind of cool. I just like how that lines up. It's like, oh, I remember. I remember the day Jedi Fallen Order dropped, how excited I was. And I remember what was going on. And then I remember Modern Warfare 2019. I got time alone. I was uh, done with my schoolwork. Modern Warfare 2019 came out. My my parents went to something for the evening, so I didn't have to, you know, be interrupted. And oh my god, I just played through the campaign. I I got halfway through that campaign in one night. I was just floored. Um, I I usually for games like that I. Small campaigns like that, I try to play the campaign first because they put a lot of work in there. There's the cinematics, there's the story. It's what everything else is based off of at the end of the day or connected to. I try to play that because sometimes it's great and it's also respect to the artistry of it. And then I go play the multiplayer because I'll play the multiplayer for the rest of my time in that game. I'll probably only play that campaign once. Right? And something like COD, so... Here's to hoping, right? So to conclude this episode, I hope Call of Duty straightens itself out because the future is weird. God, Mobile's doing okay. Get a Warzone 2, whatever the hell that means. Modern Warfare 2. Hopefully this Modern Warfare 2, this Warzone 2, this acquisition makes a substantial, long-lasting change. Hopefully Vanguard's failures helps the success of future COD. I was really hopeful in 2019 that the franchise would change, but there are still cotton dev cycles that were not helpful, not conducive to what the franchise needed. Hopefully in the next three years, three to four years, we spiral out of that terrible cycle, find a new one, and start making higher quality comms, even if it's every other year or every two, three years. Who gives a shit? Battlefield comes out every five to six years, and they still fuck up. Don't have to drop annually. That's ridiculous. Sports games gotta quit that shit. In fact, most $60 AAA games don't need to do that. If you're that big of a studio, if you have that much money and that much marketing, make a quality game. There's no reason AA studios and, and, and smaller studios, indie studios, should be making such better games. The reason why, even though they have way less money and way less marketing and get way less people to play it, the reason why the quality of their game is better is because the passion and love of the artistry is still intact. And because they spend time. It's not always quantity, it's quality. And gaming and everything can fall subject and victim to that. And sometimes you hit a perfect balance. Marvel seems to be near that perfect balance where a majority of their stuff is still quality and up to par with what they've previously put out and sets the bar higher and still puts out enough for quantity's sake. Star Wars a little rockier with that, a little more inconsistent, right? Certain artists can drop bajillion albums in a year and keep the quality, but then you have to worry about fatigue and monotony. Does it feel, sound, or present the same? Sniper Elite 5, for example, is a perfect example, and the reason why is because 
it's on the top of my mind, and also, um, it is a dramatic improvement over Sniper Elite 4, but it doesn't change the formula. No, you're still sniping Nazis, still open world, you have the same guns, same theme song, it's a fifth game. They're keeping in the franchise. They're keeping thematics going. The only difference is they're just improving and polishing, and they're adding new multiplayer modes. They added an invasion mode. They added um, full co-op integration. It's cross-play. It runs and performs better. It has better graphics, better volumetric lighting, and it has more content, more enemies, larger maps, more guns, better statistics, better customization, and just refined and fine-tuned a little more on the sniper mechanics, better precision, better AI adjustments. They just made it a more dynamic game where it sometimes felt a little boxed in, whether because of the environment, the setting, the actual game settings, or the feel of the gameplay. They're allowing a little more fluidity and even more choice. But they're not changing anything. It's not a fast-paced action, third-person, over-the-top shooter. It's a sniper game. It's in the name. They've increased the x-ray kill cam. They made them even more polished. They added more detail. They added more bullet x-ray cams to other guns instead of just snipers. They let you fiddle with the mechanics and the, the camera angles. They gave what the audience wanted more. They polished and improved the things that were lacking. And they put it together as a full package. And they took their time. People, the last Sniper Elite 4, that, that game came out in 2017. They took five years. And they, po I think, I think it was 2017, maybe it's 2018. But they took four or five years and they polished, improved, and made a stand substantially better game for it. And they added more marketing behind it. And it's on Game Pass, so more people are going to be introduced to this genre and to this franchise, which bodes better success for the sixth installment. More money, more people. So more confident that more confidence and faith that the developers can do what they do. The fact that this game got through three of them with such low multiplayer numbers, it still prioritizes its single player campaign over multiplayer is phenomenal in this day and age. Not many games can do that. So that's a perfect example. of improvement but staying true to oneself not just for nostalgia's sake now of course Sniper Elite isn't nearly as successful as big nor does it have three dev teams under it nor is it but it and it hasn't as many games it has been around as long as Call of Duty though or almost as long not quite not quite as long it's been around for almost 20 years now I think in fact I think yeah I think it has been uh, recently but Call of Duty is maybe a year or two older. So five games in 20 years instead of like 25 games in 20 years. I mean, that's the difference, people. So these are things we have to consider going forward when you purchase a game. Be mindful of who owns the company. Be mindful of where your money's going. Be mindful of what you expect, what you've played before. Be mindful of the pitfalls that you may hit. And remember to have fun. Here's to hoping the success for Call of Duty and every other big game franchise to keep on their success, keep the originality, keep the artistry, keep the love for the community and for the game and the franchise itself.
the industry needs it. Thank you all for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.